The reason I don't go to a nude beach is the kind of people who are naked in a nude beach are the kind of people you don't want to see naked. Welcome to episode number 93 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Friday, September 11th, 2020. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where it's dark outside, but it's only rain. It's not fire. And from America's left coast, which is, in fact, currently burning down due to mostly peaceful wildfires. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Well, they're very, very peaceful. And the photographs that I've seen out of the Bay Area are just surreal, man. I mean, it's yeah, I don't it's, even I know how you would I, I, deal from with where that. I'm sitting. I can't see any flames, but I tell you what, the air quality is just freaking awful. So if if you hear a bunch of uh, hacking and coughing and, and lungs falling out of my mouth, that's probably why. And you're going to have to deal with it because I may or may not remember to mute it. Air purifiers, man, you need that. But see, when you have an area where you want the windows open for the temperature, I guess air purifiers don't really work because. Well, yeah, I can shut all the windows, but with no AC, it's going to be 85 degrees in this room. And I really rather it be cooler. It'd be a no wind situation. No doubt about it. Well, unfortunately, it's also a no wind situation, which is the real problem. Oh, there you go. And it's something that. You, that's interesting to watch this situation. The usual suspects on the left are blaming this, of course, you know, global warming. They want to yeah. forget well, that. Wh- where has global warming been this year? It's the it's, it's, it's an unprecedented level of of lack of global warming hype this year. It seems like it's taken a vacation. But yeah. the reality of the situation is a lot of the California wildfires, from what I understand, and I'm not an expert. I don't live in California, but from what I understand, a lot of this is due to crazy liberal policies to protect the environment that prevents the power companies from clearing the brush around the electrical lines. That's that's why for, for years I've maintained that BLM is a terrorist organization. And by that, I mean the Bureau of Land Management. You know, it's just insanity. So we need to save the world, save the environment. That's why we can't clear the brush by the electrical lines. But we know that if we don't clear the brush by the electrical lines, there will be massive fires, which will cause way more damage. It makes zero sense. Well, I don't I don't know how much you can. I mean, you know, the the latest excuse du jour is is climate change or environmentalism. But really, this this goes back to long before California turned into a, a progressive paradise. Uh, they've just been piss poor at maintaining, you know, it it was the the policy in every modern world country to say, well, fires are bad because they cause damage and therefore we need to stop all fires. And that's been a hundred years of policy. And some places they finally started to recognize that uh, actually, if we let small fires burn, then they don't get really, really big and out of control and burn down entire counties when they get out of our control. If we just let them burn when they're small and then burn out. 
and I don't think California ever got the memo because they are still stuck in this. We must protect everything. You know, believe it or not, the carcinogenic smoke caused by entire towns burning is known to the state of California to cause cancer. Everything is what what isn't there a sticker on when you buy it now that doesn't say California thinks it causes cancer? I I don't know. I it's California. You got me. Yeah. Uh, no, California absolutely causes cancer. There's, cancer of the mind. If we could just have somebody go out there, maybe Larry, because he lives out in California. Maybe he could just go all the way up and down needs, the border. Yeah. He needs to not live in California. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. He can just place explosives all down the border, set them off and push California into the ocean. Just saying. I, uh, I, I still claim, you know, we just build a wall, make California pay for it. <laughs> The problem is I, I'm not even sure which side of the wall I'd be on anymore. Well, in your area, you know, you'd be on the wrong side because that whole left coast is kind of California. I mean, there's not much difference now, except that maybe it's some prettier landscapes up where you are, that the policies in Oregon and uh, Washington, not really much different than California at this point. So, yeah, it's it's pretty far gone. There's not uh, much we can do about it. <laughs> so. I ended up only uh, going deep dive into two stories. So I, I hope that you brought all the shallow stories. Uh, I got, I got two categories in my notes. One is the Portland ban on facial recognition, uh, which I, I, I went in and I, I went ahead and just read the, the actual PDF that came from the city council. And it, it, it reads like a fucking social justice manifesto. I, it, yeah, I, my jaw was on the floor. Um, and then my other topic, the other thing that I have is under the cheery headline of happy terrorism day, <laughs> because as, as you pointed out at the very beginning of this episode, it is nine 11 today. It has been 19 years since the greatest false flag ever committed on American soil. Allegedly. Well, there's no false flag about it an event happened not what well, caused the event yeah, yeah they they didn't they didn't actually fake knocking down a couple of office towers right. in new york they actually did it right but there's a lot of speculation on who was behind it and that the government yeah, who, was, who was they you know and that's that's all a little bit uh too insane for this podcast i think but uh it's an interesting thing in how the world has changed over the last 19 years and i mean, next year it's going to be horrible with the it's the 20th anniversary but oh yeah looking back yeah, from, from my notes i ended up with with three different articles that were the best articles i could find were retrospectives from 9-11 of 2011 because it was the the 10 year came out and that was where somebody had finally gone out and collected a bunch of facts and yeah. you know better them than me because i don't collect facts i just read articles and and then complain about them right you don't want to do the research yourself that seems no, like work it sounds like work yeah. yeah but it's interesting to me because remembering back to 2001 we had a president that was a republican and i know there's probably you, republican you know, have, in name only we have people voting and rioting in the streets who don't aren't old enough to remember that by the way yes Just keep we, that in perspective which is a very interesting thing when you look at doing a big psyops kind of a thing that why you don't teach history that there are kids now, which you and I would both call 19 year old kids that were literally just born that we have no memory of this actually happening. But when this happened, George Bush was 
taking very similar flack that Donald Trump has been taking, not as bad, but he was taking the flack of he's it started out with he's an idiot and that's fine that he's a buffoon. He can't do the job. He's a moron. I mean, this like Trump then somehow morphed into he's a he's an evil genius, which I don't still understand how both of those things work. Well, he flops back and forth, obviously, depends on the day and the journalist. Well, yeah, a lot on the journalist. But that was the 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 concept that the country was somehow united when the event happened is totally not true. And a lot of people feel that there was a new world order thing being ushered in at that time. And the events that happened on 9-11 did something really weird. They brought everybody together. It didn't matter if you were black or white. It didn't matter if you were rich or poor. The people that worked in civil service, the cops and the firemen and the first responders, the paramedics, they were all labeled as heroes and rightfully so. And I don't think we have ever in not in our lifetimes, at least there has been nothing that has been that unifying for everybody in the country as that. And it had some really positive effects for a short period of time. But now it's kind of like none of that ever happened. We're right back to uh, we've had racism since the Civil War. No, wait, we've had racism since the country was even formed. And we, we've had racism for as long as there have been humans. Let's not delude ourselves. Right. Well, the, the concept of racism. Yes. The concept that the country was founded upon racism. Now, that's a little bit of a newer thing that's being pushed. <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah. It, what we call that, we refer to that as bullshit. Yes. There are always bad actors. There's always going to be racist. There's always going to be people that are dicks. No question about it. But that doesn't mean everybody in that civilization falls into that. And 9-11 was unifying. I mean, it's interesting because the people that hated on George W. Bush, and there were plenty of them. And again, it maybe wasn't quite to the point that people are hating on Donald Trump. But I remember the first Yankee game that was played after 9-11. Bush went out and threw out a first pitch, which was really ballsy to do at the time. Because was it a ball or a strike? It was. He was a good pitch. It was a good pitch, if I remember correctly, okay. which was really more impressive on the fact that you knew he had like 14 bulletproof vests under his jacket. and rightfully so i mean you're going out in a as much as you want to think you can secure a stadium that holds yankee stadium holds like seventy four thousand people as much as you think you can secure that area you really can't so it took some cojones for him to get out there and throw the first pitch but i don't think there was anybody that was booing him got a standing ovation it brought the country together it didn't matter what political party you were that was the lowest thing on the wrong. And with all of this went, nobody cared what religion you were. Nobody cared what color you were. It was, I mean, okay, there was maybe some anti-Muslim sentiment and I kind of get that, but there were people, including Bush that were like, you know, this isn't all Muslims because a Muslim commits a crime. Doesn't mean that's the whole religion. The same thing. No. If a black person commits a crime, doesn't mean every black person's bad. Just because there's a white uh, uh, racist, uh, not all white people are bad rare pushback against the the systemic uh fallacy of stereotyping that seems to be pervading the entire country and it's coming back 
it, you know, it, it, it never really went away, but yeah, the, I mean, you know, it's, it's not systemic racism, it's systemic stereotyping and systemic taking people and dumping them into categories. And, but that, that, that's social justice in a nutshell. I, I agree with you. 9-11 was probably the moment of the, the highest level of U.S. nationalist pride since World War II. And it's funny how, uh, I, I, has it been a generation? We're, we're close to one generation later. And nationalism is just straight up out the window. Uh, you know, people on the left are when not openly preaching globalism or doing everything they can to tear the country down. And people on the right are, uh, I, I haven't seen, a, I, I've seen a lot of reaction to that, but I haven't seen a hell of a lot of nationalism unless you count the uh, white nationalists, which of course you can't get any good information because there's so much crap information from the media. Well, it's turned out to be a dirty word being proud of your country, being a nationalist, being somebody that will stand up and say, I believe in the country that I live in. And now I don't know what your feeling on the subject is, you know, whether it's a good thing or not to have pride in your country. I think there's only two choices. You're either proud of your country or you're not. And you want the whole world to be one world order. And I think there's much bigger problems in the latter of the two. Well, I, as, as you may have learned from 90 plus episodes of this show, I am a militant individualist and you, you take pride in yourself. God damn it. I, if, if you can't do that, then, then you've got serious psychological problems. Now it, it, I, I'm not, I'm not the, I'm not really a joiner. I, I don't, I don't sign on to uh, be counted in any demographic group in general. In fact, that, that whole uh, identifying as an individualist is is a little suspect, but when framed as a decision between globalism or nationalism, then yes, nationalism is closer to individualism, and I will absolutely support it. Uh, if if you you know if you decide that you know should I support the federal the U.S. federal government? Well, versus the UN, yes, I do. Versus individual states? No, I don't. Do I support individual states against local counties or sheriffs? No, not really. Um, yes, it is yeah, really the trickle up. I feel like the, you know, it, people, it is natural human nature to want to feel pride in in your tribe. But the United States is far too big to be considered one tribe. I, I think that's that's kind of a. It's an artificial construct, and and yes, it's something that you know. Here, you can take pride in it, and and at the moment, it's it's out of vogue to take pride in in the. But it's it's kind of an arbitrary geographical distinction. I personally have a lot more uh, culturally, socially, and geographically in common with people from Vancouver, BC, than I do with people from Florida. But there's an arbitrary line on a map in between here and there, so. I don't know. Um, I, I, I hated on nationalism before it was cool. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, it comes down to a system where freedom in the individual cities, in the individual states are supposed to usurp everything. The federal government's there. Allegedly, I think the way that the, uh, the country was originally formed to have things like, well, we're going to need an army to protect ourselves from other countries. So there are certain things that should be federalized. We don't necessarily want to have every state have their own army, although now that might not be such a bad idea. But to me, 
there's nothing wrong with being proud of your country and you should want to make your country better. It's the same thing. You know, you should want to make your town better first and everything trickles up just like government in the United States is supposed to trickle up, meaning you, the towns do what they want to do. They have their own laws and regulations and then the counties and then the states, you know, and all this. It is a thing where you just keep drilling down. So you're right. Everybody lives differently. Everybody might want different regulations. I mean, hey, if one town doesn't want to you know, allow alcohol, that's their right. The next town over does. That's where everybody's going to go to drink. You know, it's just the way it works. But this concept that we are stuck in some kind of a time thing where nothing has ever changed is getting really tiring. And I don't have a problem with people that want to stand up and make their lives better. I believe the system here in the United States was set up to do exactly that. Everybody can make anything of themselves we look at barack obama guy that came from nothing became president you can tell me there's some kind of ceiling but i don't know what that is yeah and he he was he was a real rags to riches story he started out as as a a cia sponsored trust fund baby and from there managed to vault himself all the way to the presidency but he wasn't (laughs) he wasn't a cia trust fund baby what are you talking about I, I I was just listening to a little too much in MoFact. <laughs> was that what he's saying? I don't know. I need to. Uh... Uh, yeah, about six episodes ago, he did a a, a deep dive on uh, Barack Obama, where he pointed out that I I the CAA part might be wrong. I don't remember exactly, but he did point out that even before entering office, uh, that Obama was uh, the recipient of a trust fund from his adopted father. Uh, who was, I don't know, some kind of I, I, Neil Connor, I, I'm getting all the facts wrong, but that the, the thing that stuck with me was the idea that upon entering office, Obama had more money than Trump. I have never heard that. I don't believe that. I guess we need uh, trolls to uh, prove this one way or the other. But uh, uh, Gummy Nerds has the link already. Big Bank Barry on MoFax 44. Well, just because it was on MoFax doesn't mean it was true. I thought everybody here loved MoFax. <laughs> I, I, did I miss a memo? No. Is MoFax out of vogue now? But it doesn't I mean, mean everything I, is absolutely th- that true. That guy does actual work, actual research. I mean, the, the, he does. He, he looks shit up. He brings clips. He does a lot more work than I do. So I've got to just kind of feel like he has something to say. I've heard other people that do the research that have a completely different story on Obama. So I guess uh, we need we need some fact checkers all the way around. But the concept that here in 2020 that we're living in a year where being black is still a major disadvantage to living the, your life the way you want to live it. I don't buy into it, which is why when people talk about systemic racism, they always talk in very general terms. And the best they can come up with seemingly is that the cops are unfair to blacks and they kill them. But as we talked about Leonidas, the guy you added his show to the no agenda stream was happy to hear that, that, um, uh, he talked about the stats, which was when it comes to people getting killed by the cops, m- bigger percentage of unarmed white people that get killed by the cops than unarmed black people. So the whole narrative is incorrect. But the way the stuff is getting pushed and, you know, I do the rock and roll pre-show. I like music. I'm always looking for new music. And I found an album this morning, which was by a young black woman 
And it was a country album, which is always interesting to me because there's not a lot of black people that are doing country music. I mean, Charlie Pride, one of the greatest ever. The, uh, you know, the guy from Hootie and the Blowfish, he's doing some country music now. Why can't I think of his name? I always just refer to him as Hootie. Um, Darius Rucker, right? But I overall, what's music? You, what is music, right? You know what music is. You know, you like Rage Against the Machine or something like that. But <laughs> this was a song that was, you know, the, the single from this album. And this is on a major label. It was on like Capitol Records, something like that. So this wasn't like an individually released thing either. So this is a young black woman who has a record deal. Now, I don't care how much you say the music business is going to screw everybody. You have a record deal. You're doing better than me as an old white guy. You got a record deal. Okay. Um, But there is a track on this album called Black Like Me. And this kind of stuff to me is not helpful. And it's kind of getting cringeworthy that you read the press that they're put out you know, oh, it expresses, you know, addresses racial inequality and blah, blah, blah. The lyrics, little kid in a small town. I did my best just to fit in. Broke my heart on the playground. Mm. I like when they use mm as a lyric. When they said I was different. Well, who said you were different? I mean, I don't understand, but okay. So you're different, but that's difference a bad thing. I don't know. Oh, now, but now I'm all grown up and nothing has changed. Yeah, it's still the same. It's hard. It's a hard life on easy street, just white painted picket fences as far as you can see. And this is the chorus that I thought was really great. If you think we live in the land of the free, you should try to be black like me. Now, these aren't really hard hitting lyrics. I'll give you that. But edgy, edgy, very edgy. (laughs) It's this concept that, well, how is being black affecting you in a negative way? I mean, the first verse just says you grew up in a small town and you were different. Well, you know, I was different, too. I was taller than everybody else. My eyes sucked. I couldn't play in Little League because I had a heart condition. Couldn't participate in gym class for a bunch of years because of the heart condition. I was different. I was treated differently. But so how does that make me different then? You know, what's how do you decide which different is good and which different is bad? Now, the next verse, my daddy worked day and night for an old house and a used car. Just to live that good life. Mm, it should be twi- it shouldn't be twice as hard. Well, how is it twice as hard? A lot of white people work day and night. A lot of Asian people work day and night. A lot of Mexican people work day and night. How is this any different because you're well, because, black? Because they get to cash in on their white privilege card. <laughs> Wait, where do I get to cash this in? Well, it only it only works when there are is nobody around to observe it. Like if you're in a room with nobody else but other white nationalists then you just get to whip out your white privilege and and show it around and and then everybody gives you everything isn't that how it's supposed to work i don't know i've never been invited to one of these parties i don't know as a big white guy i think i should be invited to these things but no uh and then you're not white enough maybe i don't you know what if i go out in the sun for more than like five minutes i burn so i don't know if i could really be any whiter you know the irish were not known or a lot of pigmentation in our skin but the bridge oh i know i'm not the only one oh yeah who feels like i don't belong well who what does again what does this have to do what you don't why don't you feel like you belong that's the question I, here I, I don't know this this reminds me of uh w- one of the points that uh, uh my brother Bimlet loves to bring up about uh 
there was an interview, an uh, NFL interview, uh, Russell Wilson, the quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, was giving an interview where he was talking about uh, he he was railing against the just the white reporters in the room saying you people don't even understand what it's like to be a poor black person growing up these days and i'm like uh russell you don't understand what it's like to be a poor black person these days either because you're a fucking nfl quarterback right and that is that's where the disconnect is for me now if there are issues i want to hear about them but don't just say Oh, I feel like I don't belong because that's everybody. Everybody feels like they don't belong in some way, shape or form. I don't think there's anybody listening to the show right now who is thinking to themselves, gee, you know what? In my whole life, I never once felt like I didn't belong somewhere. You're right. You're right. I'm not listening to the show right now. Oh, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. That would ruin the dynamic that we have going. I I was about to say something like, well, I feel like I belong, but um but then you you went with, you know, everybody listening to the show. I'm like, no. Right. That that excludes you. See, that was very carefully crafted. But there's, you know, again, yes. if there's a problem, tell me specifically what it is. When you say there's systemic racism, tell me where it is. And then we can fix uh, it. it. That would be in the colleges. <laughs> right. I mean, Bill O'Reilly last night, he went full Bemrose. I mean, he didn't have the veins popping out of his neck or anything like that. But he made the exact point you have made, which is hey, my, my now, vein staples are still holding. Yeah, that's good. That is good. Those must be the extra strength ones because you give them a workout. But he said the exact same thing you did. These colleges are now fighting racism by doing more racism. <laughs> and it's nuts. It's nuts where they no longer want to have merit based. There is no more colorblind things. It's going to be, oh, you're black. Okay. You, it, it doesn't matter. You're dumber than the next guy. Doesn't matter. You don't play the sport as well as the next guy. We'll still give you a scholarship because we need a black guy. Okay. And then we need this. We need this. We need this. No more merit based, which says to me, there's a problem. And that is people are not being treated equally. And this is the biggest bullshit when it comes to these things. All this racial stuff or anything else. It's the bottom line should be to treat everybody equally. That is the only thing that can be fair the minute you start taking people and going we're going to give you special treatment no matter if that's good better or worse treatment if you're giving any one group special treatment based upon the amount of pigmentation in their skin that's wrong that is racism that is never going to lead to anything good it is and the 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 poster child for for this kind of policy that I always go back to is something we talked about quite in in a lot of this deep uh, a lot of depth on uh, Grumpy Old Ben's eighty six, which was California Assembly Bill five, the one where California legislature is amending the state constitution to remove all of the things that were that that people fought for and rioted for back in the nineteen sixties to put into state constitution the idea that you know we should not judge people by the color of their skin but the content of their character and uh california assembly bill five is the state legislature going out right now and removing all of that from the constitution and saying we actually do feel like we want to judge people by the color of their skin and nothing else well, and, and it's it, saying, well, they're black, they're stupid. They can't do the same thing white people do. So we can't oh, give them the same bar. It's absolutely patronizing. It is it, it is the most condescending 
form of ideology that you critical race theory is not only objectively racist, but is also incredibly condescending. It, you, you look at this and be like, what? Yeah, I'm sorry, Mr. Person that has a different colored skin, but knowing nothing else about you, I've decided that you're a total loser who needs my help. Can you be any more of a dick? No, no. But there's people that want that because then you don't have to work so hard. You don't have to go through the struggles. You don't have to compete. And this is where the Marxism and communism starts creeping its ugly heads in because the people that want to go, you know, I just want to sit at home all day and uh, drink booze or smoke pot or masturbate and watch TV. And I want the government just to keep sending me money and food. You you had me until TV. (laughs) Okay. Otherwise, that's your typical weekday. I did. Well, it's the way I I prefer it that way. I'd rather not. You know how I feel about work? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we get it. But there is a world that is merit based and when you try to erase that in the way they're trying to do that now it's just it is without a doubt going down the wrong path it is people giving away their freedoms and that was jim cavizio i don't normally listen to actors and musicians and all that when it comes to politics because i mean then i would never watch anything I, i i find i find actors are far easier to enjoy their work if you don't have any idea what their politics are Yes. And he, although he made the point that the communists or whatever you want to call them, the Marxists, they are not going to be the ones taking your freedoms. You're the ones giving it away. And I think he's absolutely right about that. And people just have to stand up. Well, uh, maybe that's my problem. I'm sitting right now. I was going to say, I'm not giving my shit away. No, you've got you've got your pile of stuff. You've had weapons. I, I do. And, and I whine every single week about Jay fucking Inslee and his totalitarian destruction of, of my local economy. And yeah, I mean, I, that doesn't seem to be doing much. No. And, uh, I, but, but we have a really impressive choir and I'm really good at preaching. So, <laughs> well, yes, it's always good to vent a little bit. People like that. They feel like they're not alone. Then when a lot of the stuff in the news, people just go, well, this is just nuts. They want to hear somebody else say that. It makes them feel better that they know they're not the only ones that think this things is just are going nuts. nuts. Yeah. Now, Springsteen also dropped a track. And oh, my God, what a boring track. Is he going to pick it up again? He should. It's called Letter to You. And it was just absolutely boring. I'll put the link to the lyrics in the show notes. I won't even bore you are, with that. Are, are you going? I was going to say, are you going to? Okay. And I mean, I'm a Springsteen fan and I don't care about his politics. Yeah. He's written a lot of really good songs. But this was just the interesting thing to me was this just seemed like a very trite song. It's not even really even trying to be political. It's just like, oh, here's my letter to you. And it's very repetitive. You know, a la born in the USA, which is fine. I like that song. But I I, born in the USA. It was catchy. You could dance to it. Yeah. For for sufficient definition of dance. Well, I don't know if I want to see you dance to it. The the only things that I really knew about Springsteen was that I really liked his music on the classic rock station and that he has the same birthday as me. Oh, that was about it. Nice. So th- you feel a kinship. I, I did. And then I realized that, you know, well, one, uh, roughly one in 360 people have the same birthday as me, give or take. And <laughs> uh, that that that's a pretty large club. And I really have very little to do or in common with most of them. So, eh. The most interesting thing 
about the Springsteen track was reading the comments on YouTube of the people that were like, it's the second coming. Oh, my God, this is what I needed. Oh, 2020 was horrible. No, this is awesome. And it's if, just if, if that's his second coming, does that mean that he has like a 40 year refractory period? It might because it's not very good. He's in his 70s now. So you got to give him some credit. And he still sounds the same, which is good because, I mean, that the, the vocal stylings he has, uh, he always thought at some point his voice would just blow out like Johnny Cash's did at the end of his career. Although the last stuff Johnny Cash did were hauntingly beautiful because of his voice cracking in, in showing its age. But and it was interesting because it was the comments sorted by, you know, the best comments. Well, those were all the ones praising it. So I went to the most recent. And then found a few negative people that were chiming in. But obviously, like everything else in the social media sphere, if you're saying something people don't like, it's going to get uh, it's going to get pounded. It's going to get pounced on. It's going to get pushed to the bottom. It's going to get disappeared, which is why it was interesting. The uh, the Adam Curry episode with Joe Rogan dropped on Tuesday of this week. (laughs) I know we talked about it a little bit on the last episode that it was coming because we had heard Adam talking about it a little bit. It was an interesting day for that show to come out because Rogan announced it early in the morning, I guess, which is what he normally does. He announces it on Instagram, which it's that's a weird thing for a podcast for this whole way. This works that you post it on Instagram, that it's there and then people go look for it, I guess, you know, on YouTube now on Spotify. Well, he posted it was out and it was hours before it showed up. So. One conspiracy theorist ran with that one, including the podfather, Adam Curry himself, who was waiting for this to drop because he obviously wanted to see how it all went to see if the episode wanted to see what people were commenting on it once it was posted. And he even started making comments like, well, you know, I I talked a little bit about the podcast index dot org and you know how that's a competitor to Spotify. And we talked a lot about Black Lives Matter. And we talked about and he's talking about all the things he talked about. Like, do you think Spotify maybe is uh, is editing or do you think maybe they're not posting it? And so I thought that was kind of interesting that I, even he thought I, it was possible. I think, I think people need to cool their freaking jets and just like he's like, it's out today. And you're like, OK, oh, my God, it's been four minutes. It was I hours. Need my fix. Yeah, but it was like, hours. Okay. So, I mean, that was go, different. Go outside <laughs> and, and, and have some fresh air, motherfucker. Right, but it varied from in the, the norm. Park. Get the was, hell away from social media. Yeah, it wasn't about when oh. it was dropping. But uh, yeah, then, you know what? I, I, I had absolutely no anxiety about when it came out for the simple reason that I wasn't following him minute by minute on social media. Maybe take a little bit of a hint and do what Bemrose does. It's good for your mental clarity. Yeah, but it wasn't about following him on social media. It was once it was posted on social media that the episode was out it wasn't it was scary man and then the best thing i had no idea when the episode was to come out until you know it was actually out and and i but no because joe said it was out and it wasn't out don't you get it man i don't then there were audio issues which i thought was fantastic in the mp3 i guess it it's at the wrong speed Adam mentioned yeah, this. Adam immediately. was saying that the audio was slowed down. I'm like, yeah, let's be like that. <laughs> it's, well, yeah, they they had a little bit of fun before the recording. But our friend DC girl who was on the show talking about voting mentioned today that the audio just seemed off. She's like, what, what's with this? And I'm like, well, yeah, um, obviously, Spotify not be real good with audio. And I mean, maybe it's not Spotify. To be fair, maybe this was Rogan's guy 
I don't know who did the MP3 encoding. And maybe this entire system is brand new and nobody understands it. Well, encoding an MP3, though, isn't brand new. So that's. Well, no, no. And and of 1433 episodes in, Rogan (laughs) has to have a clue how to do it. You would think. I, I don't know. And fans seem to hate the studio. I didn't get the hate on the studio itself. You know, if you really, I, it's just there to be pretty in the background, you know, to give you something to look at while you're enjoying the conversation. If you are going to Joe Rogan experience and you're really going for the backdrop, you probably just shouldn't even go. I, yeah, uh, well, I, I, again, I, I guess I can't really get excited about that either. Cause I don't even, I don't even watch the video. Uh, I, I could not find a way to get audio only without uh having to create a spotify account which Correct. by the way no um but i i put on the youtube video and then i minimized it because i don't i don't need to watch it first of all it was i couldn't i couldn't get through the thing i got about 25 minutes in and went okay are they're never going to go more than three sentences into a topic he's too fucking high right now and so I, I I had to turn it off. I couldn't handle it. I, so I'm sure there was some stuff deeper into that 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 would have been amazing. But I, I feel like if watching Rogan be high while he's being this scatterbrained would have been even worse. I thought you know, it was entertaining. Like, but then again, yeah, I don't you normally think, you think watch. Hog stories entertaining. Right. Well, that's true. And that is maybe that is, you know what? There you go. Why did I look at this whole episode three hours plus of Adam Curry and Joe Rogan? who had smoked a little bit of the herb, who were drinking whiskey. Why didn't I think that was anything wrong with that? Because I've been trained by Hog Story. That's just a normal podcast, man. That's just what people do when they're podcasting. You know, <laughs> there you go. It, it, it happens. You know and, what? <laughs> and NetNet is pointing out that the Joe Rogan experience has audio only. Obviously, he's pulling a Bemrose and not listening to what we're talking about because we know yeah. they have audio only. It's just you have I, they, to get it through always, Spotify. Yeah, I was, I'm not. I'm here. Here's a hint. Uh, even if I wanted to create a Spotify account, I'm not installing a goddamn app, and I'm not going to run some DRM laden garbage through an app when I, I should be able to go to an RSS feed and download the MP3 to play on whatever player I need. Right, and this, I this was the, worse. The format the format that Spotify pushes. I understand that. Yes, it seems to have become normalized that everybody is now required to log in to an app in order to listen to an open media format. Just because it has DRM, and they want to enforce that you get some kind of marketing propaganda poured into your ears interstitially in between the podcasts. But that's not how I want to listen. My favorite thing was I tried opening up Spotify, the web interface in Waterfox, the browser, and it opened up fine. It let me log in. I have a login from years and years and years ago, and it let me log in. And I went to the episode because I wanted to hear what Adam was talking about, that the audio wasn't running at the right speed. And it gave me one 30 second ad. It gave me a second 30 second ad. It gave me a third 30 second ad. And then everything stopped. I'm like, what the hell? So I tried it again. This time it gave me five 30 second ads, including for the Michelle Obama podcast and then stopped. And, and this isn't this isn't the the MP3 doesn't have ads in it, does it? Because they've got a, they've got they don't they don't do they put up two different versions of the MP3, one that 
that they've edited ads in or does the player do some kind of funky magic where it pauses the podcast so that it can play the the ad normally they are in the mp3 in this case i believe that there the i know these were pre-roll so these were before it was even trying to play the mp3 so i believe when you listen to it on the spotify site they will force you to listen to some pre-roll before they even start playing the mp3 and then yes unless something has changed with the way joe's doing the show there are ads that he does in the mp3 itself so lots of ads when it comes to the rogan experience now which is why the video on youtube for everybody i guess always seemed like the best way to go oh oh oh, uh oh sorry i i was I was looking at links being dumped by the troll room. And that was a terrible, terrible idea because somehow the full MP3 just started playing. So apparently everything I just complained about the app isn't correct because uh looks like the full MP3s are on Libsyn. Well, well that's good for now, but that is going. I, that might I, change, but it will. It will definitely change because it's a Spotify exclusive once I uh, believe the at least by the end of the year. They, they are trying to do a a slow move you over to Spotify thing. So I have to admit, and and this is going back over to the technical side a little bit. Um, I I would like to think, and and I'm maybe this is possible, maybe it's not. Lots and lots of people have had an opportunity to bang on the Spotify client, but I feel like the best case is if the the track for the podcast is downloaded separately from the ads, and then the podcast does some kind of magic where it switches in and and interleaves, because then. You can usually go in and find some way to to hack it or break the app in such a way that it somehow fails to play the ads and then right. it has to play the podcast. So that would be ideal rather than having to edit the podcast on the fly, which would be a lot more difficult. Yes, it'll be interesting to see what they're doing with it. I couldn't even figure out how to find video in the Spotify app. It's still on YouTube, so no big deal. But once this gets to Spotify only. They still have a few bugs to work out before that point comes. But uh, with that said, I thought it was interesting content. It was a much different dynamic between Joe and Adam. The first one was very much Adam and Joe interviewer and interviewee. And this, yeah, episode, this time around, I, I definitely noticed that there was a lot more evidence that these two have become friends because yes. you know, after after the first interview, when they'd really only like they'd met each other, maybe or heard of each other. But but it was after that that Adam has spoken a couple times about how, uh, you know, he'll talk to Joe and, you know, have their they have each other's phone numbers. And, you know, Adam helped Joe move. And they were very clearly friends and not just interviewer interviewee now. And Joe told Adam he was pretty. Why don't you ever tell me I'm pretty, Ryan? Because you're not. <laughs> there is that. And then I love I love that he uh Joe immediately like looks in the camera like, Oh, did, did I tell Rob Lowe he was pretty? Because if not, Rob, you're pretty too. You know, <laughs> it's like okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, Joe. Okay. But uh, you know, the facial recognition thing would totally kill Joe then because he wouldn't be able to see Adam's pretty face or Rob's pretty face. And you did a deep dive when it came to the I, facial did, recognition was- thing. Well, the, the, you know, normally when I do a deep dive, I'm like, I'd, I'd like to talk about this topic and I don't want to, I don't want to talk about topics shallow. I want to like go understand the topic before I can talk because you can't really genuinely rant about something. You you can, you can shout about something, something with talking points, but you really have to understand a topic in order to really get cranky about it. And this one was not that this was more, uh, I, I, I read you know, I, I read the article that the article was uh, Portland 
uh, now has the strongest facial recognition ban. And, you know, we talked about uh, back on Grumpy Old Ben 71. Uh, one of the stories we brought was the ban in Boston, where they they banned it that so that city officials were not allowed to use facial recognition. And Portland went one up and actually said private businesses are not allowed to use facial recognition anywhere in Portland, which to me is a little authoritarian. Uh, in this case, the, the, the ends seem to work. But as I always do, when an article pops up, this one was from CNET, and I don't have a huge problem with their reporting. Uh, they even linked to the original uh, legislation, the thing that came out of the city council. So I read it. Wow. And my jaw hit the fucking floor. Wait, you I, read? The legislation. So you you are now I, I basically that. our Jennifer Briney. No, I try not to be. Okay, I I don't have nearly enough vocal fry for that. I don't <laughs> think there is enough. Uh, but I do. You know, I, you know, Adam Curry does that too. If you compared me to Adam, I'd be a lot more charitable. <laughs> right now, you're just irritating me. You're welcome. <laughs> but um, the the ordinance reads like a an SJW manifesto. Um, and and here I'm. I'm going to I'm going to hit you with a lot of quotes because I could not it was a train wreck. I could not stop watching it like, you know, the the point in the train wreck when you're like, OK, this wreck is giant and fiery and and I, you there's enough to create three forest fires here. But the cars keep coming like how I, I, what is pushing these cars? Why are they keep adding more cars to this train wreck? Um, the, the very first thing in in there is uh, that the city council of Portland determined that. Portland residents and visitors should enjoy access to public spaces with a reasonable assumption of anonymity and personal privacy. Good so far. I'm with you. Very next sentence. This is true, particularly for those who have been historically over surveilled and experienced surveillance technologies differently. (laughs) Fuck. See, again, this is what we've talked about so many times. The one divisive nature and not treating all groups the same. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it, the, so the idea and and you, you put aside the the authoritarian bent of saying that private businesses should not be able to run their businesses the way that you want. And and let's just go with with, you know, blanket facial recognition is bad and we should always get rid of it. So you like the ends and then you're like, OK, these people must be good for this. They're like the first sentence I just read. Totally correct and would have been enough. But they felt like they had to tack on the. Oh, and by the way, underrepresented minorities. Um, point two, the city of Portland must be a welcoming city, a sanctuary city, and an inclusive city for all, including residents and visitors. Why is that in there? It, it has nothing to do with facial recognition. And that's the story of this entire thing. They built a goddamn manifesto trying to push this, this uh, it, social justice and, and critical race theory ideas and then they kind of interspersed a couple things about facial recognition, but it was, it definitely read like, uh, you know, they were, they were trying to, uh, yeah, anyway. Okay. Um, let's see city code chapter 23.01 on civil rights decrees, the elimination of discrimination that every individual shall have an equal opportunity to participate fully in the life of the city. Yeah. And that discriminatory bar- discriminatory barriers to equal participation be removed. That's kind of the opposite of what you're doing, but. Let's move on. Let's let's fast forward a bit. Point eight. Black, indigenous and people of color communities have been subject to over surveillance and disparate and detrimental impact of the misuse of surveillance. So you can't just ban uh, facial recognition because it's an invasive technology. You have to make it very, very clear that the entire reason you're banning it is because it affects blacks. In fact, 
they are making it really clear that if it only affected whites, they'd be all for it. The only reason that they don't like this technology is because of social justice. Uh, let's see. Face recognition technologies have been documented to have an unacceptable gender and racial bias. Never mind that that they're used by overbearing governments to completely screw people out of their privacy. No, that has nothing to do with it. In fact, they really like that. That's a feature. They just really are not sure that they want it to have an unacceptable gender and racial bias. Let me know when you get sick of this, because I have so goddamn many quotes from this. Um, let's see. Indiscriminate use of these technologies will degrade civil liberties and enable spaces or services that may be unfair, unfair to black, indigenous and people of color. Um, another quote, particularly information from children and vulnerable, marginalized groups. Um, there's one point when they were discussing how they're going to manage it, and they had to say they're keeping their processes open and inclusive. Um, that's, of course, code word. Uh, so. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you you didn't interrupt me. You didn't get sick of this. Um, but I am. So let's go with what they're actually doing. Um, they acknowledge that uh if if you if you cut out all the SJW code words, then what they're really saying is Portland does not have the infrastructure to monitor every use of the technology of facial recognition technology. Uh, but the city council absolutely believes they should regulate it, and it is a tremendous evil to let people use facial recognition technology anywhere in the city without it being government regulated. But since they don't have the ability to monitor it and regulate it correctly, they are currently just banning it. Um, and what does this so, really change? So here is effective. The first of January, 2021, uh, you are the no government agency and this includes the police are allowed to use facial tech recognition technology for anything. And within the city limits, no private businesses are allowed to use facial recognition technology. Um, you know, a couple of the examples for what was, uh, what was going on. There was a, a convenience store that the, the uh, actually, uh, the Portland paper highlighted a convenience store that had used facial recognition to identify shoplifters. Um, oh, this what was, a horrible this was just thing. I know. Uh, and, and one of the, the things that was pointed out in an interview, the city councilman said, well, you know, sometimes these things aren't completely accurate. And, and what if one of those shoplifters is a person of color who's been misidentified? And I'm like, person of color has nothing to do with it. What if one of the shoplifters has been misidentified? That's kind of a problem. But at the same time, is that, is that, something that the city council needs to police the amount of i mean well, first of all the amount of resources necessary to police that shit is insane yes and it, it seems like if if an individual business is profiling their people then you don't need to get government in there with guns to go and try to shut shit down what you do is you get the word out about what they're doing and you give them a negative reputation and then people stop going to the store they go out of business problem solved that's how the free market handles things. But the free market has completely left the city of Portland. So, yeah, but using this as evidence has nothing to do with the facial recognition aspect of anything. If somebody robs you and you have yeah, this is why if, they've been running these kind of surveillance cameras since the 70s or 80s. It doesn't have any bearing on the, the going through and putting it through facial recognition. It's a way to identify somebody. That committed a crime. Yeah, humans have been doing facial recognition for millennia, and right. 
you know what? You can misidentify somebody and more importantly, you can profile somebody. For example, if you happen to be uh, one of the people who voted for these assholes in the city council, then you might be running a shop and you see somebody come in and you notice that their skin is pale and therefore you charge them more money and the Portland city council fucking loves you. That's also discriminatory and has, it, it uses human facial recognition and has nothing to do with the technology. That was the whole thing that I noticed about this was they had an SJW manifesto and they had a rule against facial recognition and the two had nothing to do with each other, but we're in the same document. And yes, that PDF will be in the show notes because it, it everybody else needs the opportunity to sit there and look at this and go, these people are really, really fucking disconnected from reality. Well, they are. Um, and I have no problem with private businesses using facial recognition. I mean, one of the first places, the, one of the first industries that really used this big time were the casinos, which is why you'll notice a lot of times. When you go into a casino, a lot of times you have to like go up an escalator or something. They want you in a place they can get it. Yeah, they want you to look up. They want you to be it's right. Great. They want yep. you to have to go through a certain little area that can be monitored. And I have no problem with that. I have no problem with them using facial recognition that if they see what? somebody that's been banned from the casino for cheating, stuff like that. And there are people, which is why this stuff was put into place to try to mitigate losses that they say i i i may or may not have a problem with the practice but the the like i said the proper remedy to this is if i do have a problem with a company that performs that practice then i don't won't do business with them that's the proper remedy right and i'm fine with like for the casinos for instance you know if there was legislation that said well in most of these places to have this anyway the minute you walk in the door it says you know under video surveillance well then you know perfectly fine individual and, and, and by the way the, the reason why my remedy does not work is is i am actually fairly unique amongst most humans especially most humans who are addicted to social media in that uh one of the interesting side effects of divesting myself of most of my social media is that i managed i i i stopped and i stopped experiencing fomo i you know what fomo is no the, the fear fear of missing oh, out oh yeah yeah you're one of those millennial it, slogans well, it's it's I thought it was like foamer. No, no. A fear of missing out. It, well, it's I don't know that it's called that, but it is actually a psychological effect where if if you are connected to everything going on in your community and your tribe, then the very idea that something could happen and you're not there involved is suddenly fear inducing and paralyzing. This is a, an actual phenomenon that uh it has existed before, but social media turned it up to 11. And so people experience this fear that they don't want to, if something is happening, they need to be able to be involved. Even if they decide not to be involved, they need to be invited. They need to, it, it's the same thing that, you know, all, all the big Hollywood parties, this isn't social media. But uh, if there's a big party and all the who's who are showing up, then you absolutely have to show up. And even if you can't show up, it's important to get an invitation because otherwise you're missing out. You're not in the in group. You're not the A list. And fear of missing out is in in this particular case, uh, the idea that I want to use a particular app and I know that apps are bad, but I don't want to miss out on the, the social networking opportunities there. Or, uh, you know, I really need to, 
be able to see the dancing monkeys on YouTube. And therefore I will not cancel my YouTube account because I have to be able to watch something there. You know, well, I don't know if YouTube's a good example, Spotify. Um, I, I can't possibly miss a single episode of that exclusive Joe Rogan show because I would be missing out. And therefore I have to create a Spotify account. It's a very powerful psychological tendency that, that, is you you justify a whole lot of very very risky technological decisions these days because there is content that you can't get without making these terrible decisions like installing bad software like uh clicking on the an app like and if if you if you manage to get past the idea that you have to have access to all the content then you can start making a lot more rational decisions about whether or not you want to put that app in there or whether or not you want to give your name and, and phone number and email address to this website. It, it, and if you have, if you do make decisions based on fear of missing out, then you don't, then you really can't be secure online. It's just too much out there that wants your data. Well, it's like the other old saying, the out of sight, out of mind. Well, that was a lot easier to do before social media. Before you turn that on and like, oh, my friends are all, oh, they're all at, at the bar without me. How come nobody called me? I mean, there were, you know, there was an yeah. era where nobody knew. Yeah. And, and the, it, the phrase ignorance is bliss applies very strongly. Fear of missing out is I know that a thing is happening and I want to be involved. And the resistance, the natural resistance we always had was you didn't know the thing was happening and therefore you get to the next day, you'd be like, oh, actually, is my life ruined for not having been there? No. No, and, life and goes then you on. move on. But if you knew it was happening, then there's that period of angst where you're thinking, oh, no, this is happening and I'm not there. What is my life worth? And yeah, well, there's an argument to be made that if that really is the, the dominating force in your life, then not much. But um, yeah, most people think that it should be worth more. And the, so. the technology behind all the facial recognition stuff is interesting. As I said, I don't have a problem with individual companies using this. You do start running into an issue when everything is connected and there is so much public data, including all of the photos that people post on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all the other sites that are out there, because this is where all the connections start being made, which is, you know, look at something like the Epstein case. Well, it's really easy now for facial recognition to know, okay, this is Jeffrey Epstein, then go out to the internet and look at every picture that it can try to determine if Jeffrey Epstein's in one and then see who else is in there with them, you know? And these are things that the technology for doing this just didn't exist a few years ago. And now it's pretty much commonplace when you look at uh, that. do you ever play around on Bing image searches, especially there's some yeah, really wild stuff you can do. Depressing. Yeah, <laughs> it is. The, the, and the, the technology to gather the data has been around for, for 10, 15 plus years. Uh, the, the sharing of the data is probably what's causing it to become really, really ominous these days. We, we talked a few episodes ago about the data brokers, the, the companies that the Silicon Valley companies that do nothing more than, Go talk to these front facing companies, be like, we'll pay you a lot of money for the database. And then they turn around and collate a bunch of databases, thus increasing exponentially the value of the data that they've purchased and then 
sell that to whomever wants data, you know, nefarious or actors, government, uh, you know, whatever credit agencies, MasterCard. Yeah. You want to talk about your credit being ruined because you showed up in a photo with somebody that is canceled. Hey, there you go. Yeah. It's the new world. Yeah, we're, we're, we're on our way there. And, but don't worry now that now that we're using COVID to ban all cash, then, you know, <laughs> don't worry. As soon as you get canceled for some stupid reason, like being a back in the background of the wrong photo, um, actually, you're pretty well fucked because when there's no cash and they can turn off your electronic money, then uh, welcome to homelessness. And and then at least you can go to a sanctuary city like Seattle and, and live <laughs> on the street and, and enjoy breathing our, our beautiful fresh air, which is totally not fresh right now. And and ask for government handouts and and the uh, the city councils will um, let you stay in the park indefinitely. I, I think I just went off on a tangent. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, though, to see if they ever try to push for. Yes, you can no longer, you know, the cash you have. They'll have to give everybody some period of time like, hey, you're sitting on a bunch of cash. You need to turn this into the new digital currency by X date, you know, like they did with the Confederate money and stuff like that, where it's like we're changing the currencies. If you don't get it in in time, it's going to be worthless. And so, it, uh, oh, oh, there was another uh, another instance. And this, by the way, is probably going to be a big thing. Um, it, I, it, this is something I didn't really know and probably would have mentioned it. Maybe you might have mentioned, not that I listen, um, when we did our air travel episode. But did you know that there are airlines that use facial recognition for boarding passes now? I read something about that they were going to be testing that. And I thought it was a. Uh, well, uh, Delta Airlines is the one mentioned in in the article as uh, they they had actually started using it as their boarding pass at uh, PDX, Portland International Airport. Yeah, that's not happening anymore. Oh, because they realized it could be fooled. Oh, no, no, no. Because the city council decided to ban it because it might be used against a black person once in a while. (laughs) I, you know, I don't even understand how it can be used against one race more than the other. But I do understand. I mean, hasn't anybody ever seen all these Hollywood movies where the master of disguise can look just like somebody else? Come on. Yeah, that only works in Hollywood, I think, (laughs) except it kind of probably does elsewhere, too. yeah, you you don't understand how this technology can be used only against blacks and is is perfectly safe for whites because you didn't read the same PDF that I did this morning telling you jaw on the floor. Um, let's see other uh, interesting tidbits. Uh, oh, Amazon uh, opposed this. They actually spent quite a bit to lobby against the uh, this particular facial recognition. I'll let you figure out uh, why they might be have done that other than um, they probably what to use facial recognition in the city well of course they own ring doorbells and i read an article the other day amazon is hiring thirty three thousand new employees <laughs> thirty three thousand yes thirty three of course yes yeah um yeah so I, I actually i'm not sure what this is going to do to something like ring doorbells which does kind of fall in the there there's a, it's the gray area between private and public but uh the once you get down past all of the manifesto stuff, the the meat of it uh, essentially bans all government and private business use of facial recognition with three notable exceptions. One is individual use, like unlocking your phone or your Instagram filters. Oh, that's an Yeah, that's an interesting point. They, they actually they didn't say Instagram, but they said social media filters. 
Uh, one is there is an exception for any institution, bona fide club, private residence, or place of accommodation that is in its nature distinctly private. So you want to be able to facial recognition someone. Uh, you want to be able to scan them as they come in. You just say, my place is now a private club. Well, it's a private uh, residence. So I mean, I that, mean, that worked for worked for the speakeasies back in the 30s. Right. Uh, and then the third exception is uh, automatic face detection services in social media applications. I'm not sure why that needed to be mentioned again. Um, and I'm also not exactly sure what that is. Is that is that a blanket exception for all social media? Like they're like, oh, yeah, Facebook can go ahead and use facial recognition as much as they want. I'm of not course, sure. because that way they can show you what photos of your friends you're in, even if you haven't been tagged. So if you're not in one of these wholly anointed groups like social media applications, you can face a fine of a thousand dollars a day for uh, using facial recognition, which, by the way, if you're a really big business, if you're Walmart or Costco, that's probably chump change. And so you can just be like, yep, we're scanning everybody who comes through and uh, we're just paying a fee of a thousand dollars a day in order to use it as much as we want. You know, really get screwed with the facial recognition. Identical twins, triplets. Whatever you got, because <laughs> now you're screwed, man. You're in one data file with all of your siblings, because that's just it. We're just go by your face now. That's all you are. Your face. Nothing else. Oh, that. Hello. That's kind of the, the entire philosophy of of critical race theory is that nothing is important except. Well, it's not even your face, it's just your skin color. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, so the the Portland City Council has recognized that uh while they want to what what they really want is to uh make sure that they control all face recognition technologies but they don't have the infrastructure to do it so they're banning it right now but in a future looking st- situation they have decided that they are going to uh develop a plan for creating public awareness on impacts and use of facial recognition technologies particularly around children, black, indigenous, and people of color, people with disabilities, immigrants, and refugees, and other marginalized communities and local businesses. There was more text for the social justice writers than there was to the the direction that they want to develop policy. Well, see, that's Um, who they don't want the facial recognition to be working on, are those people that are out there peacefully rioting. Yeah, they're like, as soon as you develop facial recognition that can tell a, a leftist and not interfere with them, and and can tell that apart from somebody who is a, a Second Amendment protester or a churchgoer who we want to throw the book at. Yeah. It, I um, like the idea. And this is kind of just a, a slight tangent here. Our buddy Ron Kittle, 1983, Rookie of the Year, lives right down the street from me. He posted to social media that he's, he's a very big guy into, you know, the conservative side that anybody that is convicted of rioting should never get another penny from the government. And I thought that was a genius. I, I, I approve. And can we apply this on the city level as well? Yeah, I, that would be great. That would be absolutely great. I mean, I think that I mean, really you know, makes sense. Any like city whose city council decided to condone rioting in their cities, not a fucking penny from this federal government, please. Yes. Done. Let them let them figure out their own mess. This yeah. is really like mommy, daddy, I burned down the house. Buy me another one. So the last thing I wanted to finish with this, uh, the, this Portland thing is uh, the agency, the city agencies that are tasked with coming up with this policy and, and enforcing. Uh, there's three agencies listed. One is the city attorney. Um, I'm not certain w- what their 
anyways, the, I, I know what a city attorney is, so we're good. But the other two agencies that were tasked with coming up with policy and enforcing this are the Bureau of Planning and Sustainability, a little bit of an environmental bent there, whatever, and the Office of Equity and Human Rights. And the real news to me is that Portland has <laughs> agencies called these called the Office of Equity and Human Rights. You know, unless you're a conservative is, white guy. Yeah. Yeah. You, then, then you you're not human. Therefore, you don't need any rights. Isn't that how it works? I think so. But the yeah. So the Portland Office of Equity and Human Rights is responsible now for policing technology. Well, and and if that doesn't tell you everything that you need to know, then, it'll, you know, if it does, then the last 20 minutes of me ranting were probably unnecessary. But that we it, never it certainly screams social justice warrior. No doubt about that. And it also screams of another issue that is being legislated without any real understanding of how the technology works, because let's just say you're a small business. So let's say you're a convenience store that's not illegal to record what's going on in your location. It's not illegal to have cameras. That's absolutely fine. Surveillance cameras have been uh, around, like we Poland. said, for decades. Well, it's still perfectly fine, perfectly yeah. legal to have the cameras. How will they know what you're doing with that footage. If you have a computer system in the back that's looking at the image as it's being fed through them and comparing the face, how do how are they going to know that? The only way to enforce well, uh, this stuff because, would be to go into every, every the, business and look at every computer that's there. No, no, they're they're just counting on all of the shop owners to go down and voluntarily pay the thousand dollar a day tax. <laughs> I don't get it. There's no way to enforce this. No way. This is another well, law I, being I'm, put I, into place. No way to enforce it. Obviously, it's one of those punitive laws that says if you get caught doing something we don't like, we need yet another tool in our toolbox to wield against you just so that we can, you know, it, it's it's all about legislating the behaviors that you want. So what you're saying is the next time a person of color in Portland walks into a convenience store, holds it up and shoots the cashier and kills them when the only it, evidence is that video. They won't be able to use it because, you know, that's racist. Well, it, if if the facial recognition on them was, you know, this was done automatically, then they can be fined for being the victims of a crime. Uh, if they are just recording it, then and the facial recognition was done by a human or apparently a social media site, then you're good. So, <laughs> by the way, that the massive freaking loophole I just realized with the, the social media site thing yes. is if if you want, you, you know what you do? You don't you don't set up your own facial recognition. You just automatically feed it into uh, uh, what's this, like, Trello or Facebag. Or, yeah. you, go go feed it into a social media site. Be like, you know, just post onto your account. Here is everybody who walked into my store and see who it comes back as tagged. Totally legal. Yeah, I like that. You don't want to piss off the Silicon Valley boys, man. They're the ones making the money. They're making bank. I don't know. It's, I, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> This it's like really this is what we're worried about in a time when literally things are burning down in this country that yeah. we're worried about facial and, and recognition. After they're burning down, I'm breathing them. Yes, yes. I mean, it's. I mean, yeah. That's just bizarre. It really is. I mean, I knew there were fires. I knew it was pretty bad. I knew there were some areas that were hit pretty hard. But the fact that it's having these wide, uh, really statewide and then multiple statewide repercussions it really does kind of look like the end of times but uh we don't it wanna... always looks like the end of the times does it I, that's well i do i i don't know if you've noticed from news stories it's but um 
California burns every freaking year about this time. It's kind of what it does. This seems worse, or at least the photos that I've seen. It always seems worse. True, and everybody's home though. They're not just able to last work. Year, Can't even get your hair just done. Last year that they they had the like the literal apocalypse where some town got leveled to the ground and turned into nothing nothing standing more than a foot high by these fires. I think that was a year ago. So not not this year's fires, but it, I mean it happens. And I and noticed we, we we didn't even mention that the NFL season started. Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> that is a that the ratings are going along with that. Bill O'Reilly, though, did suggest that the San Francisco 49ers change their name to the San Francisco Pelosi's and have a hairdryer be the mascot. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I, I mean, that's some maybe that's some no agenda art. I need to work on that. Yeah, I just yeah. gave away my uh, secrets. Well, somebody else will do it before me now. The, the, the best NFL games are that that I watch are the ones uh, because uh, yeah, my mom lives in Hawaii and uh, my uh, father-in-law to be maybe they're, they're never going to get married, but that's what I'll call him. It has always been a huge 49ers fan. And she, of course, coming from here is a huge Seattle fan. And so whenever Seattle faces the 49ers, then I have to call up and needle them. Uh, actually, I have to admit my favorite way to do it because we're three hours ahead. And she's often busy during the games is uh, I will uh, text her and be like, oh, really tough break for for the Seahawks. Uh, You know, sorry about that. And she's like, screw you. I DVR'd the game. I haven't watched it yet. I'm like, (laughs) and and the best part is that I I usually didn't watch the game either. I'm just like, if I text her, you probably know the score. No, I don't give a crap. (laughs) Doesn't matter. It's not important. That kind of trolling doesn't require facts. Right. Right. So you're, you've learned it from Donald Trump. That's the best. The best thing you could do for somebody that, you know, is not watching live and it's just DVRing the score is you just tell you and you don't even say the score because that's easily falsifiable. You'd be like, oh, tough break. They really needed this game. And then they're looking for something that happened at the point where you texted and they're like, I don't exactly see anything going on here. But uh, speaking of the ultimate troll, what do you think of this crap that's coming out on the Bob Woodward? Uh, I book? hate it. It, it makes is. me grumpy. It, it should make you grumpy. I think it's just hilarious that the left is really going down the rung lower and lower that they're. And I, I, I don't know exactly what the quote was, but every time I've seen this online was Trump wanted to blank, 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 downplay the severity of the virus. It's like, well, every leader wanted to downplay the severity of the virus. That's what leaders do. You know what you do when there's a crisis? You do not panic people, because if you panic people, the end result you, is going to be you worse. Would make a terrible, terrible New York Times editor. You know that? Yes, I would. I would because I like, well, this makes sense. He wanted to downplay it as much as possible. Even Fauci came out and talked. But of course, most of the channels uh, aren't talking about the fact that Fauci said uh, I didn't see Trump so say for, anything. For, for that people didn't who agree haven't with been what watching we said. the soap opera, do, do you want to explain what happened? Well, Trump made the mistake of letting uh, Bob Woodward write a book and he was helping him. So he was giving Woodward a lot of his time and they were talking quite a bit because according to Bill O'Reilly, who's friends with Trump, O'Reilly told him he was nuts to work with Woodward because he'd already written a book like just skewering them. And Trump kind of being the nice guy, I guess said well you know but this way maybe i can at least get part of of my side in you know in the book i can at least give my side of the story like he thought woodward was gonna be fair with what his side was 
I don't quite understand that. But the, you know, the quote that just came out was, you know, Trump knew that this coronavirus was more severe and he lied to the American people. It's like, well, no, he didn't lie to the American people. Fauci even admits there's nothing he said publicly that wasn't what his experts, if you want to use that in air quotes, on the whole medical field had told him. But when you have a crisis going along, no leader is going to go out and be like, time to panic. No, they go out and go, hey, you know what? You know, like California right now, they're going, you know what? Uh, we have some fires, but everybody just stay calm. No reason to go and you know loot the local Kmart. That's what leaders do. Well, they I try to keep it, calm. Yeah. Part of being a leader, though, is is the ability to correctly identify and uh, pick who you're going to listen to. And Trump is absolutely not blameless for all of this idiocy and bad information to come out when no, he, he says stupid stuff. He, he does. And, you know, going out and and not doing due diligence on some of these so-called experts and being like, well, this guy profits off of every vaccine that's created and makes a lot more money when there's some kind of epidemic going on. But I'll go ahead and listen to him about how the sky is falling. I, I mean, yeah, I can fucking fault Trump for listening to the wrong people. Yes. Did he get duped? Sure. And those people also need to be slapped upside the head with something spiked for being completely corrupt and and generally screwing over the American people. But Trump was complicit. Fuck him. Believing that Bob Woodward was going to give you a fair shake was a really this shows one of the times Trump had a really big blind spot and made a bad choice on this whole Corona thing, though, I think it's interesting. I was talking to Adam's expert on a lot of this stuff, and it turns out that the lab that they work in was told back in July to stop doing any tests when it comes to remdesivir, that it just doesn't work. I haven't seen that in the mainstream media. I haven't heard that That, from Bill Gates. I haven't heard that. That moved seem out of character. Yeah. It's a a little weird, but uh, I, I, I mean, at the same time, the. Uh, the the CDC has been flip flopping its position so much that they're they're practically spinning around in circles. You could hook up a generator uh, and and end up generating power. That out there spinning their position back and forth. Yeah, well, that's the CDC. They yeah. again when they don't understand something. You know, I don't want to necessarily say that it's all being done intentionally. I don't think it all is, but I think a certain amount I, is being used. I now. absolutely believe that there are corrupt people in there who are intentionally making shit worse for the purpose of profiting off of it. Yes. One of these I, vaccine I trials was stopped because one person had symptoms. It's like, well, you don't know what that's from. I mean, I don't know if people understand how vaccine trials work, but I, uh, I'm losing faith that that so-called scientists understand how science works anymore. Oh, I agree. I, I feel like you know, there's probably good science going on, but it's not sensational and it's not sexy and it doesn't push an agenda because science isn't supposed to be like that. And the people, more importantly, the people who are doing good science probably aren't getting grants because these days the the root problem with most science going on is the grant providing agencies are going out and and all but saying, I will give you this grant if you come up with this result, which is, again, not how science is supposed to work. You have you, you are not doing good science unless you are going in with an open mind follow the data and then come to the conclusion from the data. If you go in expecting or 
or, you know, anticipating or deciding that you're going to get a certain result and then massaging the data to fit. You're not doing science. You're doing propaganda. Well, and science is the concept of here's my hypothesis. Prove me wrong. It's, you know, that is the main thing for science, which is this is what we believe. Now, everybody works to prove that wrong. That's how this works. In fact, if if you do have a, a hypothesis that you want to prove correct because you, you know, you feel it's true because intuition is still a thing, then the correct way to do science is do everything you can in the experimentation phase to disprove it. And then if you can't, then your null hypothesis is true. and and you can suppose that okay this is some more this is more evidence for the thing that i already believe but if you're not trying to disprove your theory there there is no science is not capable of you going in and and deciding this is my my initial theory now i want to prove it right that oh you you've been fed that line in as hollywood and, and news bs for a long time but it, only in in some very narrow pure sciences like mathematics is it possible to prove something right in almost every case in the real world uh what you do is you come up with a hypothesis and you build evidence in favor of your hypothesis and sometimes that evidence is we weren't able to prove it wrong but you can't prove something right Right. You try to break it. And uh, Blue Deuce 33, absolutely right that science is becoming 100% political. And that's where you got problems. That is where and, you have problems yeah. when people are looking and, for that. And it's hard not to when most science is done in, in the uh, leftist indoctrination mills already, which means that they're soaking in the milieu, whether or not they come in believing that science is, you know, that, that the scientific method is valid or not. They're, they're soaking in a culture that pushes them away from that. And then again, like I said, the the funding agencies, most of the funding comes from grants and it, whether it be uh, a, government grants, less so, but certainly to a frightening amount, but definitely private grants. Everybody who gives you money to do science wants you to come to a certain conclusion. And that is a recipe for bad science. Because well, that's, it's, that's- and it's not it's not like they're like, OK, you're going to get this grant, but you have to come to this conclusion. No, it's, it's they will go out and find they'll be like. Okay, we're going to give this grant to somebody. So let's pick the scientist who is already trying to come to the conclusion we want. Well, that's why a lot of times you'll see something like, hey, a new study says that eating an apple a day protects you from coronavirus. And then nobody talks about the fact that it was a $10 million study funded by the Apple Growers Association. I mean, these are right. the. Uh, well, and then the then there's also the problem of reproducibility, which is uh, pretty much invalidating the last two decades worth of quote-unquote science yeah the other thing i didn't the, know the fact that remdesivir is a cat even- antiviral <laughs> and i'm like okay where's bemrose involved in this it's a cat antiviral uh you, well, we you probably heard of cats. it yeah I, no I, I hadn't heard that I'm just, we have to keep our cats protected though yeah you do i'm just so out of the loop uh, one of the stories we did have which i thought was interesting from a tech standpoint microsoft this from bleeping computer state-backed yeah, oh, hackers it, can can, can I back up a moment? Sure. That doesn't honestly surprise me. One of the one of the biggest uh, feline diseases that has been going around for the last thirty years is something called uh, FIV, uh, feline immunodeficiency virus, which is is cat AIDS. Nice. And given that the Rendisivir treatment is based entirely on the work that Fauci and his cronies did on AIDS 
back in the day, that shouldn't surprise me in the least because, uh, well, you know, FIV came onto the scene somewhere. I I don't know if, if it jumped from humans to cats or what, but it, 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 I I should probably look some of this up because this, this was really interesting the last time I looked at it. Um, it is, uh, amongst stray cats in the United States, it is one of the leading causes of death because, uh, what happens is that, uh, the stray cats will go and they screw each other indiscriminately. Uh, they pass the virus back and back forth and every stray cat out there practically has AIDS in some, you know, the other thing is this virus takes a couple of years to manifest and a cat doesn't even last all that long out on the street. You know, life expectancy is five years. And if it takes three years to manifest, a lot of them are carrying the virus and it's all over the place. And it eventually kills them through pneumonia or something or, or, you know, COVID or SARS or, but, uh, it, it's all over the place. It's huge. And it's one of the reasons why, uh, if you don't have a cat fixed, you should, you should really worry about letting them go outside. If they're unneutered or unspayed and you let them go outside, they're probably going to be out fucking other cats and bringing home the, the cat aids. Yeah. I want to hear some rockabilly. Every time we say stray cats, I just see Brian Setzer. <laughs> You're like stray cats like to fuck a lot. And I'm like, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. They had a good yeah. sound. Stand up bass. Gretsch guitar. It's, it's, it, every band from the seventies liked to fuck a lot. And man, they, they had the people throwing themselves at them. Yeah, they did. It, it was a, it was a good time to be a musician. It is good times. It's not I, a good time. I would have done it myself, except I was five. <laughs> and you didn't have any talent. I did, Does that really matter? In music today? No, no. Then kind of, because you actually had to play your instruments. And it was at, just at the beginning of your, the vocal fixing machinery to do all the crazy stuff. But Microsoft has said there are state backed hackers targeting the 2020 u.s election so we already you know what's gonna happen say. yeah we already yeah. Yeah. know what's gonna happen let's see uh new york california new jersey <laughs> pennsylvania <laughs> illinois am, am i missing any states here i mean they were talking about russia china and iran but you know illinois oh, well, california the united states those may be worse <laughs> the, the usa those are the state-backed elect you know the fbi yeah yeah that is a state-backed hacking group that is probably targeting the election but this dropping is showing me that this is what we're going to be hearing if the election doesn't go the way that certain people want either side really you're going I, to I have, think it's inevitable at this point yeah that this is going to all be pointed back to even anybody uh, yeah we it, did it, believe- the, the prediction that the election would be over by november 4th is <laughs> is turning out to be terribly short-sighted maybe november 4th 2021 or 2024 yeah that the concept that this is going to be an easy thing, even though the Russian collusion concept seemed to be totally disproven the last election. I mean, beyond, you know, they bought like $100,000 worth of Facebook ads. And anybody that runs a business knows that $100,000 in ads probably isn't enough for your local pizza place to advertise to a city, you know, a medium sized city for the year. But if my if my local pizza place is is spending hundred thousand in ads, then I don't want to be the one paying the extra cost on pizzas. That seems like a lot. The toppings get really a local really pizza expensive. chain, maybe. Now, I I want to know how Microsoft knows that these state actors are targeting these organizations. I want to know because it really because doesn't. Microsoft is the hacking group being paid by the state actors, <laughs> right? They're like, okay, now this makes sense. We've been paid by Russia, China, and Iran. 
to target these organizations and individuals who are involved yeah. in this year's presidential like election. We, we, we went to Amazon for the top quality hackers, but they wanted too much. So Microsoft, uh, can you just give us some some second tier quality hackers? Yes. Bleeping Computer says among the political campaigns, advocacy groups, parties and political consultants that were targeted in these ongoing attacks, Microsoft also mentioned unsuccessful attacks on people associated with the Trump and Biden campaigns. Quote, the activity we are announcing today makes clear that foreign activity groups have stepped up their efforts targeting the 2020 election and has, as has been anticipated, and is consistent with what the U.S. government and others have reported, says Tom Burt, co- corporate vice president for customer security and trust at Microsoft. I, yeah, I like to give Microsoft shit for for having a culture of developer mediocrity, but I, this data, I believe it. And the reason is uh, there really isn't anybody who has more information to to pour through. And they are pretty good at, at picking apart data and, and coming up with, okay, what, what does this mean? Uh, and of course, when you can collect from every, every windows 10 machine ever, that, that certainly makes it easier. You know, it's interesting though, because then you know that it's your machines identified as you, because they said the targets, uh, one of them, uh, quote, the group has also targeted at least one prominent individual formerly associated with the Trump administration. This guy from Microsoft said, you know, it's interesting. It's like, how do you get this data and know that individuals are being hacked? I mean, does Microsoft know if somebody's trying to hack my account right now? And they're not an account because I don't associate a Microsoft account with my Windows 10. But if my machine's being attacked, how do they know it's me? How do they, you know, I just don't get how the data gets back to them. It's uh, well, they they look at uh, the kind of things you do with your your computer. Like what processes do you run? Okay, well, you know he he uses mostly uh, this you know recording audio stuff. So total radio DJ uh, uses BitTorrent, but he doesn't run any scripts on it. So not a hacker. We don't need to pay attention. It's interesting. It is interesting I stuff. I I'm don't, speculating. You know, it, it's it's uh, it's never really spilled out in the article exactly how they know. I mean, I would understand if Microsoft says, well, based on some things, we can tell that there's more activity. But to be able to go down to the minutia that, well, one person that was formally associated with the Trump campaign was being targeted. Well, how does Microsoft know that? That's just uh, it's a little bit concerning. Well, I and honestly, I I would want to see the data if if I were skeptical, which I'm not required to be skeptical because I'm as far as I know, I'm not the person associated with the Trump campaign being targeted. But I think if if I were there, then I'd be like, okay, uh, you're going to need to tell us who, and you're going to need to tell us how you know this. Yes, and there's no question that anybody involved in this stuff are targets. I mean, never believe anybody that calls you. Never believe any email you get. These phishing things are getting, especially the spear phishing that are very targeted, are very hard, even for people who understand they are targets. It's really hard to catch every one of them. And uh, if you have information, I can see why uh, I can see why that there are people that are paranoid that don't want to do anything in digital communication because I I can relate. Yeah, because, you know, what's going on out there. There there are a lot of people who are paranoid, don't want to do digital communication because they don't know what people can do. And they just are are worried. You know, any technology could be used against you and you're you you just don't know. You know, 
I'm, I'm kind of on the opposite end at the same conclusion, which is I know what they can do. And that's why I'm paranoid. Yeah, it's said uh, last year in July, Microsoft issued 781 alerts to organizations as part of its free account guard service. OK, maybe they're actually paying for uh, some kind of service. I need to do a little more Microsoft research. has Microsoft has a lot of of enterprise software products like ones that you've never heard of, the, you know, because there's only yeah, the, the Microsoft's their bread and butter is provide an enterprise service that only nine people in the world want. But if you can charge each right. of those nine people six hundred thousand dollars a year, then you can pay a lot of developer time. You're right. But you know what? Everybody's saved because Zoom is adding two factor authentication. So all, all oh. communications are OK now. They're secure. No, <laughs> no, I don't, no, I don't get how that works. Why not? I don't. But it's two factor authentication. Why doesn't that make everything just perfectly safe? Um. Well, it, it helps with one part of security, which is authentication. Um, it doesn't really help with anything else. The the problem that they were trying to and and you you probably have this in in your notes. I I didn't dig in too far, but it, as far as I'm aware, the problem that they're trying to solve is people. Uh, uh, what what was the term that that they used? Uh, Zoom bombing. Right, right. People dropping in on your Zoom meeting. Is that and bad? I well, it, it some people don't want that sort of thing. Uh, I, 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 again, I didn't investigate this further. I didn't see this story until about 20 minutes before we, we started recording and I didn't have time to go too deep in it because I was too busy reeling my jaw off the floor after the fucking Portland city council bullshit. Uh, but I, I, I'm, I'm not really sure exactly what the mechanism is, but apparently people are getting zoom URLs and, or, or maybe guessing them. And just logging into other people's meetings by guessing the URLs. And so, or maybe they're actually, you know, uh, getting into two-factor authentication only exists. The, the only thing it's good at is making sure that your account is only used by you. And, right. or, or specifically, you know, two-factor authentication means that in order to use the account, you have to have uh, well, when done right, you have to have something, you know, which is a password and something that you have, which is usually a phone with an authenticator app on it or something. And if if you do that, then it it makes it harder because attackers need to you know steal your phone or otherwise somehow acquire your authenticator configuration in order to get the second factor. And if they can't, they can't be you. So. It doesn't really change the fact that you know, everything else about security with Zoom about, you know, uh, it doesn't do crap to protect against the company or, or against anybody they might be selling your data to. Um, if your uh, you know, if your connection, if you've got man in the middle problems, then it doesn't particularly help that very much, because uh, if, if your transport layer is compromised, then authenticating doesn't matter. The only thing that it does is make it so that if you want to be, if, if you say only Darren can be in this conversation and Darren has an account on Zoom that has two-factor authentication, that makes it a little bit harder for me to log in as Darren because I would have to be able to get both factors. Right. Inter- intercept the uh, SMS or whatever you're using. And, and the other thing it does is it does absolutely nothing about physical security things like what if somebody is standing in the next room listening right well yeah and uh they're they're 
it adds a level of security, but it is such a pain in the ass for most things. But uh, I digress. Uh, Two factor is always a pain in the ass. Yeah, I was just looking to. I wanted to read you something that I had gotten from a friend on uh, Twitter. And uh, Robert Heron, a lot of people know him, podcaster. He does the uh, what's it, the HD, you know, the video audio video podcast he was doing with Patrick Norton. I haven't listened in a while. It's AV Excel or something like that. I believe it's still going on. Uh, he had a tweet curious as to how Spotify appeared on a clean Windows install. And then he did a little more research. And there's a link to Windows 10 automatically installs Spotify and other apps after update. It's like, what the fuck? Windows is automatically installing Spotify. That's that not really surprising. No, it's I, it may I not know. be surprising, it, but uh, I mean, if if I, I I'm not sure I've, I've not heard of this one either. But if Spotify made a deal with Microsoft, I mean, I, you remember when Windows 10 first came out and everybody got a, a free copy of Candy Crush, whether you wanted it or not? Yeah, Sir Spencer saying he's gotten that installed on his machine too. Well, this is just this is getting a little far. We I need. Mean, we need the strip down. No, nobody, nobody has installed Spotify on my machine yet. Well, that's because you're not on Windows 10. Yeah, there's a reason for that. The other tweet I just noticed was from a guy that I go back and forth with. That is a Chicago cop that tweeted copper on another team has COVID. A guy I share office squad car with business as usual for me, unless I have symptoms. Meanwhile, my kids are being homeschooled because teachers are scared. Yeah, well, that's the. Uh, that's the new world order, buddy. That is the new world order. But this is what I found interesting. I want to go back to the old world order. I liked it better. The old world, the old world order was nice. But I was talking to a friend of mine and she was a teacher and she wanted to move into something a little bit different one because, you know, things are a little crazy right now. So decided to work on a certification, which is a tech certification, which she thought was kind of funny because if you know her she has never been really good with the tech stuff i've they come to me for these kind of crazy questions now most of it she said was fairly simplistic the last thing that she had to do the last assignment which was peer-reviewed if i can read this to you it's, it's interesting to me because this again is somebody who is not a dude named ben do that named bernadette this is somebody that is working for the school system so, I mean, government, I guess this is where the breakdown really comes in, <clears throat> because uh, this is the assignment. In this project, you'll create a security infrastructure design document for a fictional organization. The security services and tools you describe in the document must be able to meet the needs of the organization. Your work will be evaluated according to how well you meet the organization's requirements. About the organization, this fictional organization has a small but growing employee base with 50 employees in one small office. The company it, is an online retailer of the world's finest artisanal handcrafted widgets. They've hired you as a security consultant to help bring their operation into better shape. Organizational requirements. As the security consultant, the company needs you to add security measures to the following systems. An external website permitting users to browse and purchase widgets an internal intranet website for employees to use, secure remote access for engineering employees, reasonable basic firewall, firewall rules, wireless coverage in the office, reasonably secure configurations for laptops. Since this is a retail company, there will be handling customer payment data. The organization would like to be extra cautious about privacy 
They don't want customer information falling into the hands of an attacker due to malware infections or lost devices. Engineers will require access to internal websites along with remote command line access to their workstations. What you'll do, create a security infrastructure design document for the organization. It needs to meet the requirements and the following elements should be incorporated into your plan. An authentication system, external website security, internal website security, remote access solution, firewall and basic rules recommendations, wireless security, VLAN configuration recommendations, laptop security configurations, application policy recommendations, security and privacy policy recommendations, and intrusion detection or prevention for systems containing consumer data. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. What, what what's the scenario here again? I'm I I can't remember that far back. What do you mean? But what's I I mean? Wh- who who's asking for this? This is this was this for is, uh, a school district that okay because that is a pretty goddamn tall order. Uh, I know a hell of a lot of professional software engineers who would not be able to satisfactorily do that. That that is that is a difficult. That's like that's like when the you know, you go into for a job interview and they're like, you know, please design all of the testing for this complex system on the whiteboard. And then you do it and they're like, thank you for your time. And then they go implement it because they really needed the help with the design. This is I mean, this is some master level stuff here. Yes. Well, which is exactly what I thought. Security is not easy. And, I, you know, can can you design our entire security? Well, uh, this is the kind of shit that that is the school district will pay uh, a unionized IT department for for a year in order to design this system. This is an exercise. Yeah. And I don't know how you know, I don't know who the certification body was in this case, but the kicker here is uh, it's peer design. Please design a nuclear reactor with uh, complete failover protection and uh, meltdown prevention and make it run on normal salt water and make sure that it provides at least enough power for uh, a medium sized superpower nation. And you have 60 minutes go. I, I mean, what kind of fucking exam is this here is? Well, here's the kicker. It was I think they said at least 10,000 words. Which didn't seem like even enough for that because then you said tall order. Not, not, you, you read me almost 10,000 words. It seems that, was that just way. The requirements. The kicker was she submitted this through. It was supposed to be peer reviewed. Within 30 seconds, she got a reply saying she scored a 100 and got the certification. So, welcome to our okay. government at work. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure that I would trust that nuclear reactor. (laughs) No, I don't. I wouldn't trust that nuclear reactor at all. I mean, this is, that was the scariest part. I mean, for her, it's like, she said the main part of her job right now is helping teachers and parents get onto Zoom, which I'm like, oh God, but uh, at least they'll have two-factor authentication now. Uh, You know, if anybody, I, I don't think anybody at Zoom has ever thought about that entire security plan. No, no, that that is true. I don't think the people at Zoom ever gave enough uh, enough thought that they should have been doing this assignment before the everybody start using Zoom. But yeah, that was the kicker to me was that this is a uh, and, public organization that gave these things to qualify for the job or to get a certification, and nobody even looked at the what was submitted. Just okay, you passed. Everybody gets yeah, a trophy. Well, like- Maybe, you know, if you if you manage to get all the way through this long ass list of requirements, then (laughs) then you've put in the work and you're hired. Yeah, because I'm like, okay, I know people that do this kind of stuff for a living. I mean, our community 
and the no agenda community. There's a lot of people that work in technology. You know, our buddy Walkman, who works in with all the yeah. would understand the routers and how to do all this stuff. This takes a lot more work than I, uh, I understood what most of those words mean. But yeah, it <laughs> yes. would, I mean, it would be a lot of research just to understand what the requirements are in a lot of those areas. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I said. And I'm like, I think I understand this stuff fairly well, but yeah, it would have taken a lot of research. And certainly when your uh, paper is graded and sent back immediately with, OK, you pass. This is everybody gets a trophy land. We are fully in this. And God, I hope doctors and people and surgeons and stuff aren't getting the same thing now because we're doomed. I, I, I mean, they are. But at the same time, uh, if once you once you count in uh, economic impact, I think that, uh, you know, surgeons are no longer the only people who can seriously mess up a lot of things by being totally incompetent. You know, a surgeon, the worst they can do is mess up one person's life at a time. Right. But these days, if if you are, you know, we we have developed for the last 30 years. We, you know, we started out computer programmers were actually someone who really, really had to know their stuff. And now it's somebody who knows how to go download an NPM distro and put together 17 different JavaScript libraries in a certain way right. and maybe attach a variable to it. And hey, boom, you're a programmer. And we're taking these people and putting them out into places where they can have real economic effect. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it won't be fixed uh, as long as the desire for automating more and more systems is, is going up exponentially and outstripping the number of people who want to get into the job. But at some point you like, we, we the world right now does not have an effective way to distinguish from between a programmer and a programmer who knows anything. Uh, and the interview system is supposed to do that, but it's not good. Well, because half the people interviewing you don't know what they're talking about. That is a problem. Yes. Because you have to hire somebody that knows how to do the job to be able to know somebody else who can do the job. Oh, I, I've certainly interviewed with people where they're like, okay, I need you to do this and this on the, you know, on the board. And I'll, and, and, I'll be writing up and he's like, hold on, let me stop you. What, what's that supposed to do? I'm like, well, it does this and that. And that. Really? <laughs> no idea. I'm like, okay, when, when you're interviewing, you pick the language you're best at because you need to be able to grade it. They're like, that's interesting. I never knew that could do that. And then you're like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> or, or, you know, I, I had one uh, a couple of years ago where I was in an interview and they're like, uh, you know, I need you to develop this and I need to make sure it's concurrent or something like that. It was, it was a threading problem. And I go in and I'm like, um, and I start pressing on the requirements. I said, okay, so, uh, do, do we have this constraint? Uh, are we allowed to assume this? Well, I don't know. Do you need to So, well, <laughs> yes, because if I can't, you know, it was, it was something to do with memory threading. And I'm like, if I can't assume that, uh, you know, these are coming in on, you know, the same CPU, then if, if they come in on separate CPU, then uh, you've given me an unsolvable problem. And they're and like, uh, isn't this like, like the, I'm what's, like, the, what's what, the Star Trek thing? That was the uh, well, Moriashi, I, uh, uh, Kobayashi Maru. Yes. That was a good one. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I don't remember the exact details, but it, it was a matter of, uh, I went in and they gave me a concurrency problem. They said, can you solve this? And instead I ended up proving on the whiteboard that it was unsolvable. And did you get the job? No, <laughs> no, they don't like being shown up. They're like, no, wait, you know, you actually know what you're doing. No, I can't hire you. 
No, no, I have, I have a severe uh, disadvantage when I go in for an interview, which is that I have a tendency to tell people what I think and not what they want to hear. And uh, that's what you're doing here on the grumpy old Ben's program. And people like it. They like the rant. They like the rant. Well, I, I mean, you know, we have the right kind of experts when those two things coincide. Yes, that is absolutely true. And there is a story I just wanted to mention before we get into our experts for the day, because in a world where news has been dark and depressing, finally, there was a story that just rekindled my faith in the universe. It was about a man who was kayaking in Lake George, New York. His kayak capsized in 30 feet of water. He was holding on for dear life. This is a guy who is a substance abuse counselor. He was a former substance abuser. It said that uh, he had been sober uh, for I, seven I bet years. He had a moment there where he was thinking, I'd like it's your like one. Oh, kind of. And he was thinking, you know, this may be it. But he'd been sober for seven years. And what comes along to save him? A tiki bar boat filled with priests. <laughs> I okay. mean, th- th- does this not say Wait. the universe will were the priest drinking? Yes. OK. <laughs> they were out on a booze cruise on some my, kind, my of kind of tiki of bar thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, so this is the universe telling you that you need to find God. And, uh, also you could really use a drink about now. Probably. Cause the guy said, uh, you know, this is what I said to myself. I might die today. I think this might be it. I prayed to my Lord and savior, Jesus Christ for help. And, uh, that's when a floating tiki bar carrying priests and seminaries so from St. Joseph's. If there's a floating tiki bar on it, then this isn't exactly on re- in rapids. They said this is on a lake or something. It was I, Lake George in New York. Okay. I, 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 is that like, is it full of alligators or I'm just trying to figure like if I'm out on a kayak and my, you know, something terrible ha- happens and my kayak sinks or something, then I like it. I just swim to shore. Is that not a thing? Do people not do that? I don't know. I guess it was 30 feet of water. Maybe it was that far out. I don't know how big Lake George is. I mean, like Lake Michigan, if you are in the middle of Lake Michigan okay, here, the, the middle of Lake Michigan, that's a little tough. Yeah. I don't know how far like it was here, out. You know, around here, the biggest lakes are actually reservoirs with on, on rivers with dams, but the rivers are a mile wide. I've swam across that and back. Yeah. But could you now? It, I think I could. It, it, it would be tougher and I'd probably, you know, have myself three heart attacks along the way, but I think I could. <laughs> be like i finally got to this edge and that's all you got that's all you got i mean i I, i've swam a mile and you know i swam across and then we uh sat there on the rocks and bullshitted and then we swam back it it was a lot of fun and yeah they were only the seminarians were had been in the lake george area because their coronavirus outbreak had hit their seminary so they went out i guess on a booze cruise i don't get it the article ends yeah that's true i I do you know some (laughs) Some tin pot dictator is telling you that you can't congregate in a church. You're like, well, then where the hell are we going to congregate? Yeah. The article ends with a quote from the guy that says, I've been sober for seven years and I get saved by a tiki bar. I mean, that's the universe telling us it's going to be okay. I think it's it's, it's the universe telling you, like I said, universe telling you to find God and have a drink. Yes. It's okay to have a drink. Um, I don't know if that's the right thing to say to a recovering alcoholic and addict, but hey. It saved his life. I think I would say it it is something you would say, no doubt about it. But I I like that. I just kind of ran across that story and was like, that's different than everything I've been reading. And I like it. 
I like it. It's a positive bent that somebody was in trouble. I mean, really, if you're in trouble out on a body of water, what better than a floating tiki bar filled with priests and seminary students? And here, here's your shower thought of the moment. Technically, a hangover is recovering from alcoholism. That's deep. That is deep. Uh, we do have a few experts to thank, including Sir Lee Mofo coming in with 2755 and a quote saying, great show. Can't get enough of the tech talk. See, we need to do more of the tech talk. No, people no, that's, that's, that's what he's saying is that he, he's trying to get more tech oh, talk. He yeah. just can't get it. Yes. I can't get enough of the tech talk. Oh, so we need more. We need to put yeah, more in. It's like I, I listen to grumpy old Ben's, but I can't get any tech talk because yes. you guys keep talking politics. Yeah. You've, you've got a two hour show. I get like 15 minutes of tech. Do more of that. We will. Let me note that right here in the, uh, in the logs, uh, Keith Von Dyke, our buddy, 10 bucks subscription just comes in over and over and over and over again. We appreciate it. Never sends any notes. I mean, Keith, if you're still listening, we hope you are. You have a note. Hit us up. I, it, you know, notes feel good. I enjoy reading notes. I like hearing from, from our experts, um, but keep sending money. <laughs> send Bemrose the money. Send me the notes. And we have a new guy, Gary Blatt and no note, but just a $6 and 66 cents uh, donation. So I don't know. I I think that's just a commentary on, on, you know, the, the religion. I'm not sure. It could be. I don't know. I mean, this, we I, may need, we may need a tiki bar filled with priests to, uh, to ward off whatever Gary's bringing down on us. I, I'll take the tiki bar, hold the priests. <laughs> okay. So a floating tiki bar with uh, bikini models, but I, not I the kind you're getting at Victoria's Secret and Sports yeah, Illustrated. I was going to say, I, it depends on who's in the bikini. I've been to Portland. <laughs> Have you seen the mugshots of these Antifa folks that were arrested? I, I, I you know, I grew up in Portland, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it but- wasn't the same Portland as is today. <laughs> but yeah, yes, I've seen these people. I'm like, oh my god! I mean, these it's just- like the reason I, the reason I don't go to a nude beach is the kind of people who are naked in a nude beach are the kind of people <laughs> you don't want to see naked. Yeah, you, and myself included. Yeah. People are like, this This sounded like a really sexy idea. And then I saw Ben Rose naked. Yeah. We did get a note from Tech Ted, which uh, was, I thought it was nice just because he addressed it to Darren and that other guy. So he must like me better. Yeah. Uh, he was coming. Darren. Right. He's been commenting on uh, the last show. He's like, I've been free for 18 years here in Tennessee. Cracker Barrel opened for inside dining at 25% occupancy on April 30th. Then about a month later, Went to 50% occupancy. I'm still alive. I wear a mask at most 10 minutes a day if I have to. After living in Milwaukee for 55 years, I sure know what a study baba is. We talked about that in the, we mentioned that word when my uh, doctor was talking about his grandmother. uh, And he says, after living in Milwaukee for 55 years, he is happy to be in Tennessee. And uh, I can understand why. It seems like it's much better in Tennessee when we were talking to Chris, a.k.a. Cert Seat Sitter of the it, Abs it, and the Six Pack. It certainly did not sound nearly as left coast as the left coast is. So I approve of that. It's just, again, people, I don't think a lot of folks understand the vastly different responses to this virus thing. And I mean, it's not just country to country. Again, we are a nation where we go trickling up the local authorities have much more say than the federal authorities do on so many things, which is why in Tennessee, they're living their normal lives. Kids are playing sports. The kids are in school 
And in places like Chicago and California, I know, you know, in places like Chicago and California, I mean, you can't go get a haircut, you know, and it's it's just insanity. Choose freedom. It seems to be the better way to go. I think you got anything else? Any fun little uh, any quips? Uh, Not really. Um, I did have uh, I I wanted to read this is something I posted on uh, no agenda social and and I feel like, you know, getting it more hit. So I'm going to say it on the podcast because that's what I can do. Um, So somebody was talking about uh, what what are you going to do? They did a poll. What are you going to do after covid? And uh, my response to it was you're optimistic for thinking there is an after covid hundred years from now. Your great grandchildren will be wearing full body condoms while getting injected with their daily RNA vaccine. So they may be out. Allowed their one hour of CDC prescribed human interaction over a carefully monitored holographic Zoom call. You put a little effort into that. I I wrote it out. <laughs> I, you know, yeah. I'm an aspiring fiction writer. I hear that. I hear but that. The problem is that every time that I come up with something that I think is dystopian enough that okay, this is definitely fiction. Then the fucking world readjusts and decides to make it real. Right. It becomes reality, and you're like, well, now this isn't any fun. Yeah. I don't get it. What is fun, though? If you want to be like all those experts and help us out here, value for value, grumpyoldbens.com. All the information you need is there. The uh, there is a there is there will be a time after COVID. It's just a question of will we be alive at that point? Well, I intend to be. And will there be another virus that comes along before the end of COVID? We can have fighting viruses. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, if if people start getting tired of covid because eventually, you know, this too shall pass and things get normalized and people stop, you know, the, the problem with leading people around by their fear is that fear is the kind of thing that you get used to. And eventually people will get used to it and be like, well, yeah, but I, I you know, I, I understand that I'm still alive because I've been cowering in place. But is this really living? So you constantly in order to lead people around by fear you constantly have to come up with new things to be afraid of it's the same problem with climate change everybody's like yeah but the the climate hasn't killed me yet i mean unless you happen to be in that one town in california (laughs) and it's trying man it's trying in (laughs) california but yeah the the concept in america is you're free to do a lot of stupid things that might have a negative impact on your health i know they're trying to take every freedom away so i mean you shouldn't be able to drink you shouldn't be able to smoke You shouldn't be able to do all of these things that have a negative Um, impact, um, like, you know, jumping out of planes. You shouldn't be able to ride dirt bikes. You probably shouldn't be allowed to ride motorcycles. I mean, cars even are questionable, you know, so. Oh, well, that everybody should be taking the bus, of course. Well, of course, because, well, no, wait, the people have died when buses and trains and all these big vehicles, airplanes. I don't you know, I think if we just shut down everything. And just go to the Amish way of life. Well, well actually, be- that that's one of the huge benefits to this this widespread remote work thing. That it, it, I I don't know if private companies were ever going to, you know, en mass come up with ways of letting people work from home. But now that we force them to, a lot of companies are just looking at this, going, "Yeah, this this is going to be the new thing." And I I tell you what, traffic this year has been incredible. I. I can I can get from here to Seattle in a half hour or less, even when the sun is out. And that never happened. Well, the paperless concept for an office has made it really easy to not have to be in the same place as everybody that works in the company with you. There's no question about that. And it's great for commuting, no doubt about it. 
the money that companies have to spend in real estate costs to have an office for you to go to, they're now realizing like, oh, wait, they could just sit at home. This is great. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, we're, you know, a year from now, you'll be able to get premium office space in Manhattan really freaking cheap. Hey, so if you need it, there's going to be whole skyscrapers that that they are going to be completely empty, like one tenant on the, the 14th floor or something. Well, it'll be like the building that our buddy Mark Von Dyke was using for his podcast studio. That was a building. Otherwise, it was just going to be a derelict building that they were renting out the office space for like nothing. That's going to come to the areas yeah. in the United States. And, and I think downtowns are going to become that. Like, please, you know, that, that there has been a, a move to toward urban living for a while. And I think, you know, well, for one thing, uh, when when urban living turns into urban rioting for months on end, that, <laughs> then a lot of people are probably going to be like, well, I'm you know, the old suburbs starting to look pretty good. But I uh, can be that, close to the riots. And it's, I mean, it dep- I guess it depends on on who's running your city and whether or not they're trying to destroy it. But if the urban area becomes a burning food desert that has nobody in it, then uh, and is crime ridden and full of homeless, then, yeah, maybe the suburbs look pretty good. They are starting to look pretty good. And all the stories that will be coming up over the weekend, we'll be back on Monday to talk about them. So do we have to. No, we don't have to. But they demand we do. The oh, experts. Okay. The experts well, have uh, demanded. But, but will it will it annoy anybody if I do show up? Only you. Well, that's a, that might be good enough. That's a start. Until next time, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I'm just sitting here patiently awaiting episode four of Maps with Matt. And from America's left coast, where I hope everybody is having a happy terrorism appreciation day. Now go out and act appropriately. I'm Ryan Pemrose. Thank you.